0: You can open to Psalm 31. Psalm 31. We had our Reformation Fair on on Sunday night. And I was riding home with Isabella. And totally unprompted, she said, She said, Dad, isn't it wonderful that... uh, Rather than going around getting candy from people's houses, we get to come to church and learn about the love of Jesus. <clears throat> nothing. I mean, I've said nothing. I haven't preached about Halloween. I've said nothing about anything. And that was just her observation. Wasn't it wonderful to be able to come with believers and learn about Jesus? That was much better than going to people's houses and getting, and getting candy. So out of the mouth of babes. Um, and today is the, is the 31st. Um, where the world celebrates Halloween and we get to be in here this morning learning about God. Here is a a psalm of David, and uh, my study Bible says it's a psalm of complaint and praise. Is it possible to do that? Can you complain and praise at the same time? Can you talk about the world, and also God, yeah, you'll, you'll actually see if you, if you try to listen. Um, this one's a little longer than, than normal, not too long, though, 24 verses. Um, David will look up, talk to the Lord, he'll look out and say, wow, it's really ugly out there, and then he'll look inwardly, how he's responding both to the Lord and, and to the evil that is around him, and then he'll look up again. So he starts looking up, then he looks out, then he looks inward, and then he looks up again. And that's a really good exercise to, uh, to, to, to imitate. You always start by looking to the Lord. You start by looking at the world or looking inwardly, you, you're going to get uh, discouraged, depressed. Always start with the Lord. The Bible rightly interprets reality, a vision for, a proper vision of God, just sets everything, everything right, which is why you ought to begin every morning um, with the Lord in some way. You say, well, I, I've got to start early. Um, well, get up five minutes earlier. I mean, just do something where you're able to start uh, with the Lord. Focus your eyes on Him. It um, doesn't have to be something you know, super long or, or major. That just sets your day and sets your perspective uh, right. Um, and then you allow him to interpret what's going on around you and allow him to interpret what's going on uh, in, in, inside of you. Um, uh, most of the problems that people face in life where they get things wrong, they end up interpreting God by their circumstances rather than interpreting their circumstances through God. You hear what I just said? We always have a tendency to look up uh and 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 interpret God by from from the bottom up rather than from the top down and that's what the bible does. The Bible gives us a proper perspective of of life so let's see what David's saying here to the Lord and about about the world around him. He says, in you, O Lord, I have taken refuge. let me never be." Be ashamed. It has the idea of being put to shame. I'm trusting in you. Um, let let that let that trust never fail. In your righteousness, deliver me. Incline your ear to me. Rescue me quickly. Be to me a rock of strength, a stronghold to save me. You are my rock and my fortress. So it's a request to be this, and then it's a declaration. You are this. For your name's sake, you will lead me and guide me. You will pull me out of the net which they have secretly laid for me. For you are my strength. In, into your hand I commit my spirit. You have ransomed me, O Lord, God of truth. So he up, and now he starts looking out. I hate those who regard vain idols, but I trust in the Lord. I will rejoice and be glad in your loving kindness because you have seen my affliction. You have known the troubles of my soul. You have not given me over to the hand of the enemy. You have set my feet in a, in a large place. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am in distress. My eye starts looking inward. My eye is wasted away from grief, my soul, my body also, for my life is spent with sorrow and my ears with sighing. Obviously, there's something pretty serious going on. My strength has failed because God's failed him? No, because of my iniquity. And my body wasted away because of all of my adversaries, an enemy outside, an enemy within. I have become a reproach, especially to my neighbors, an object of dread to my acquaintances. Those who see me in the street flee from me. I am forgotten as a dead man. Out of my mind I am like a broken vessel. For you have heard the slander of many, terror on every side. It's ugly out there. While they took counsel together against me, they schemed to take away my life. He looks up again. But as for me, I trust in you, O Lord. I say, you are my God. My times are in your hand. Deliver me from the hand of my enemies, from those who persecute you. Let's take verses 14 and 15 and and watch the pattern there. As for me, even though all this is going on around me and in me, I trust in you. He fixes his eyes on the Lord. I say, you are my God. You're, you're in covenant relationship with me and I, I with you. You're the one that I, that I look to. You're sovereign. My times are in your hand. Deliver me then because you're my God and because my times are in your hand. Deliver me from the hand of my enemies and from those who persecute me. Verse 16, make your face shine upon your servant. Save me in your loving kindness. Let me not be put to shame, O Lord, for I call on you. Let the wicked be put to shame. Let them be silent in the grave, in Sheol. Let the lying lips be mute, which speak arrogantly against the righteous with pride and contempt. And now he's going to turn to praise. How great is your goodness, which you have stored up for those who fear you, which you have wrought for those who take refuge in you before the sons of men. Hide them in the secret place of your presence from the conspiracies of man. Keep them secretly in a, in a shelter from the strife of tongues. Blessed be the Lord, for he has made marvelous his loving kindness to me in a besieged city. As for me, I said in my alarm, I am cut off from before your eyes. Nevertheless, you heard the voice of my supplications when I cried to you. David's talking about how our heart can overtake us at times. What does he say? Oh, the Lord doesn't see. Where's the Lord? The Lord's forgotten me. No. Nevertheless, you heard the voice of my supplications when I cried to you. Oh, love the Lord. Now he starts speaking to everyone else and to us. Oh, love the Lord, all you his godly ones. The Lord preserves the faithful. And fully recompenses the proud doer. Be strong and let your heart take courage, all you who hope in the Lord. And that last statement is something that we need to be reminded of. <laughs> be strong and let your heart take courage, all you who hope in the hope in the Lord. You can do that because you hope in the in the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your word. Thank you for this psalm this morning. Just reading in it, just imagining um, an Israeli in uniform being ripped out of his home and life and work. Just got up one morning like every other day and the whole world went crazy around him and then... A week later, he's in a green uniform, sitting in the sand, probably brought up uh, around the feasts and general knowledge about you. Most Israelis are secular. Um, They know about God, but they don't read the Bible. And Just thinking maybe in a time like this, um, with time to think, with the reality of death facing them, that they, they may pick up a, a copy of the probably the Old Testament scriptures. I guess someone could give them a New Testament. And just reading something like this uh, afresh, that won't, won't save them. They need to trust in Jesus Christ. But, but just the, how we, we read the Bible and it applies to us, um, becomes real to us whenever our circumstances change. So first, we just want to thank you, Lord, that you allow all types of circumstances into our lives. I confess to you, I don't like the difficult ones. I don't like the fearful ones, uh, the, the days of adversity. But you tell us that that's life under the sun. And in those moments, you have not left us without help or hope. You've given us a copy of your word, which provides both help and hope. So, Father, as we, 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 we even start this morning, we look up to you. We give you thanks that you preserve us, that you are our hope. We look around us and we see the world in a mess. Um, we look in, in, even in our own hearts this morning and probably find things that we wish weren't there. And then we come back to you. And we, we give you thanks that you help us, you grow us bit by bit, little by little. And um, you have promised to continue the work and complete what you started in us. You've promised, Lord, that that we'll be with you uh, because of Jesus Christ. So teach us this morning, we pray in his name. Amen. All right. Open to study one. We're developing some foundational convictions. And we're driving these things home. Striking... The, the nail over and, uh, and over might think of it more like a railroad spike because the truth doesn't go in our hearts as easy as a 16-penny as a nail. And so you've got to hit it over and over again. The good thing is once the truth gets in there, it, it, can take, it can take hold and take root. So that's what we're doing. These convictions are what help us as men... Uh, have courage to stand on the truth and vigorously apply it in our lives. Um, What the world finds uh, um, ridiculous is Christians and believers that proclaim, I stand on the truth, I stand on the truth, I stand on the Bible, and then live completely differently. Um, So stand on the truth, but also vigorously apply it in in your lives. And um, it's not just about you. It's about the church, which is what Jesus is doing in the world. He's building his church. And the building of that church is not just saving people, it's actually maturing people. And so we make and mature disciples. So um, this portion of the training is intended to help you build a stronger commitment to the bride of Christ, which is the which is the, the the church. So we started with having a working biblical literacy. Uh, we, we don't want to know just about the truth. We want to know the truth and how it all fits together. We talked about the challenges that we face in the midst of that. Uh, we have a busy world. We have things that are constantly trying to, to garner your attention, and you must learn to be an expository listener. You must ponder the truth. You must actually think about... Um, about God. Number two, we said, have the right perspective of leadership. Um, be careful with worldly models that are that are put up be before you. Um, avoid viewing leadership as an organization or event planning or mobilizing large groups of people. Cling to the scriptures. Apply the word to the life's life's hardest questions. Um, true change happens at the heart level. If it hasn't happened at the heart level, then it, it hasn't happened, um, which means you have to know the truth and then apply the truth. Number four, know how to develop convictions. Help others develop these, these same convictions. One of the things that will help you solidify the convictions of your own life is to submit them to, you know, to, to others, meaning passing them on. Um, Teaching somebody else, uh, communicating to somebody else, uh, for instance, uh, saying, hey, why don't you come to Grace and Granite with me? Why don't you come to, to church on Sunday with me? And that person may go, yeah, that'd be great, but, but a lot of times they'll go, well, I don't really want to do that, or I don't know, maybe I'll do that, or they'll tell you they'll be here and then they don't come, and, and uh, one of the things that helps you solidify those convictions is actually pass them, passing them on to, to other people. Um, convictions are the beliefs that drive your life, uh, the things that you, you want the substance, the rebar of your, of your concrete, they help you take stands and have courage in hard seasons. It means to be convinced of something. What are you really convinced of? It's not what you say only, it's what you do, um, what actually comes out in in life. Number five, have a right perspective of yourself. Don't take yourself too seriously. Um, Have the right perspective of longevity. Don't fall for fads and gimmicks. Um, Stick and stay. Anybody in church history that made any kind of difference stayed in one place uh, or did something for a long period of, of, of time, uh, you don't want to flit about like a, like a butterfly. You want to lay hold of something and, uh, and stay at it. Um, have the right perspective of influence, number seven. It's not measured on a superficial level. All true spiritual influence flows from godly character. Um, and godly character flows from a life of humility and faith, which is what we talked about last time. Humility is a lowliness of mind, a hard attitude which recognizes who I am and in light of who God is. Um, It's a downward disposition based on a Godward reality. I'm not lifted up on the inside with the illusion of self-sufficiency. It's not being down on myself. Woe is me, I'm walking around like big pen from Charlie Brown with a dirt cloud over top of me. It's a reality. Who God is, who God says I am uh, in in Jesus Christ and walking in that that reality. So, we're on C this morning. So, just to remind you, we're talking about having the right perspective of influence. So, this, this falls under this topic of the right perspective of of influence, substance in your life as a man, which then turns into influence of other people. Uh, and you say, well, I'm not much for influencing, you know, people at work or people I meet in the grocery store or wherever else it is. So what about the influence in your own personal lives, in your homes? And, and you have to be a man of substance to do that. So the right perspective of influence is it's not measured on a superficial level. Um, there's a lot of people. I mean, how plain is this? Is there anything more vomitous than a, uh, a social media influencer? Can you think of anything less weighty than somebody who spends their time taking pictures of themselves, trying to convince other people to be like me, when like me is nothing but a facade? It's all, it's all fake Um that is not the kind of life that you want to want to live. I, I don't think anybody is uh, having a career as a social media influencer in here. If so, uh, stop, please. Um, but there are other ways that you, you can fall to that trap. Um, influence, especially in the church, is not measured on what somebody looks like, the force of their personality, how 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 strongly they can speak, how they can pluck your heartstrings, um, their money, their uh, their their whatever, that's all superficial. Uh, unbelievers have all of that. Um, that's that's not biblical influence. So so just just be careful. Don't look at the outside, don't look at the, the bells and whistles, look what's, what's inside, that's where the influence is. Those are the people, the people that have substance internally, that walk with God, those are the people that actually do work for God. Those are the people that influence others, those are the kind of men that you, that you want to be, which means you have developed some of these convictions from having a working biblical literacy and having the right perspective of yourself and so on and so forth. We're talking about have the right perspective of influence. I want to be an influence. Or you say, I don't really want to be an influence. Who am I? Well, you, you, you have to be. You need to be. This is what God's called you to be. You're, you are light, and you are, you're his followers. So you, you will have influence. You must have influence. You have to have the right perspective of it, though. It's not on a superficial level. So don't fall for the fads or the, or, or the gimmicks. All spiritual influence that flows from a godly character. So don't look at this and try to mimic that. Here's where the substance is. It's godly character. Um, men must have integrity in their hearts. And godly character flows from a life of humility and faith. And genuine humility and faith are measured by the faithfulness of, uh, of Christ. So you say, okay, great, I... I Godly character, that's what I need, that's the substance of my life. That's what's actually going to influence someone, having godly character. The characteristics of my life are godly. The characteristics of my life, uh, what what my life looks like, what my thought life looks like, what my speech looks like, what my work looks like, what my church attendance looks like, what my uh, husbanding looks like, what my parenting looks like characteristics of all of those aspects of my life are godly. They're, they're after God. They're, 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 they're the ways of God. They're 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 applying biblical truths. I'm I'm mastering these things in my in in my life. Um, that's what men do. Men know what God says and then they go after it and they they pick up the nail and they hit it. they hit it again and they hit it again and sometimes they hit their finger and then they bandage it up and they get the nail and they hit it again i mean this is how you you develop godly character not passivity not just floating through through life Um, you must grab it because uh, by the horns and wrestle it to the ground wrestle your own heart to the ground your work to the ground, whatever it is. You, you have to continue to go. Back. That's, that's what a man is and, and what, a man, what a man does. That's what leading looks like. You're out front. You're taking the bullet. You're taking initiative. Uh, you're, you're moving in that direction. You're pressing in that direction. And there's all kinds of things that, that hinder you from, from doing that. Your wife can hinder you from doing that. Think of what's happening in the fall. In the fall, this wonderful thing that God has granted you and given you um, so you won't be alone actually has her own sin nature. And her own sin nature is wanting to rise up above you, is, is wanting to, uh, you know, to, to complain, all of these kinds of things. Now, I'm picking on the women right now because I'm beating you in general. But you understand what I'm saying. It's not going to be easy. Don't think that leadership is just going to come to you. Your wife's going to go, oh, yes, I'll follow you, you, you great, wonderful man. And all of your kids are just going to fall in line. And I mean, that's not, you live in a fallen world. And on the flip side, don't think that you're going to get up every morning and say, I want to lead my wife in godliness. I want to lead my, no. You have an enemy out there. You have an enemy in here, the world, the flesh. And the and the devil. So how do you face those enemies? Well, what one of the things that the world wants to do is lull you to sleep. You're just passive. You get up every morning and you kind of just go with it. You go with the flow, or you get a little bit. And 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 you have to you have to engage in this in this pursuit. That's what leadership is. Um, you wrestle your own heart to the ground. Godly influence is not commanding, demanding, not being passive, not looks like the world. It looks like I know God and I am living that out. And then that emanates from me and everybody in my orbit that, that spills over on, on them. Um, so you have a world that's going to try to tell you to be passive, whether that's the, the feminization of, of, you know, of, of, of everything that, that is masculine or whether that's hobbies, uh, you know, uh, take me away from what is important, even by, you know, hairy man things, you know, hunting and and fishing and four-wheeling and whatever else. I mean, that's all uh, cultural stuff, too. But again, the whole point, whichever way that Satan can get you away from what you're commanded to do, which is be a godly man and lead Through the force of your influence, through the force of Christ being in you, that's what he's going to try to do. And you can't be passive, lulls you uh, to sleep with with the world's lullaby. So what is godly character is what influences. Godly character flows from a life of humility, a proper perspective of myself, based on a proper perspective of God, and faith, which is I'm my believing response to God's promises, this is what God says he promises to do, this is what God says I am to do, and so I believe that and I walk in that direction, even in the face of contrary winds, that's what godly character, uh, how godly character is developed, and then genuine humility and faith are measured by faithfulness to Christ. How do I know whether I have humility and faith? I am the most humble and faithful man you'll ever meet. Well, that's obviously got a problem with that, right? How do I know, though, if I have the right perspective of myself? I mean, you just told me a minute ago, uh, not, humility is not being down on myself. You know, I'm, I'm just so bad. Uh, self-atoning in, in the way that you, you, you view yourself. Well, genuine humility and faith are measured... By your faithfulness to Christ. It's actually, is this coming out in your life? Are you persevering in holy striving? What does that mean? Striving toward holiness, which has the idea of I'm doing something every day, I'm, I'm striving. And that doesn't sound like a very pleasant word. It sounds like a, sounds like a work word, doesn't it? Because it, it is work. Striving. I'm failing. I'm confessing, I'm repenting, I'm getting up, and I'm doing it again. I'm striving. I'm striving, it's, and I'm striving for, for holiness. It's a holy striving, and it's, it's persevering in that. Loyalty to Christ in all circumstances. Your loyalty to Christ is going to be tested today. And the decisions that you make Today will reveal whether you're loyal to yourself, loyal to another person, or loyal to Christ. Genuine humility and faith is measured by your faithfulness in those moments. And if you find that you fail in loyalty, um, don't let that devastate you. Go back to the holy striving. That's where you confess. I can remember, I still to this day remember the feeling. I was a believer maybe a year or two. It's all about witnessing. Just wanted to share Jesus with, with people. And I went to the flea market, very similar to the one that's down here on County Line. And um, I was waiting on my pastor. My pastor was bivocational. His wife had like an antique thing in there. And so I would go down there and hang out sometimes on Saturdays because I just wanted to be around him. I wanted to be around anybody that was talking about the, talking about the Lord. And these two guys were there. Uh, one was sweeping up stuff, and I guess another one was his was his buddy at one of the exits. And somebody had uh, passed out uh, a track, a gospel track, and you know they were leaving them everywhere. And it had fell on the ground. And this guy with the broom goes over and takes the broom and looks at his buddy and you know points there and takes it like that, sweeps it up, like, yeah, that's where that thing belongs. And I remember in that moment just being a new believer, and I was just overcome with, no, 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 no that, that's not trash. That's treasure. I mean, that you're, you're, you're all, your perspective is all wrong, and everything in me just wanted to grab him and just say, no, can I tell you what, what's in that? And, and that's really what I, what I felt like doing in the moment. Just saying, hey, you might think that, but let, let, me, let me just tell you my story. And I chickened out. I didn't. And I walked away. And um, I, I still to this day think about the feeling of being, in that moment, disloyal to the Lord. You know, having that moment where, where I was put in a position to, to testify of, of Christ... I would, what, what did I say? I didn't know the Romans or I didn't know anything. But what was in me was I, I wanted to tell this man, no, 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 no. Now, have you ever read that? I don't know what I would have said. What I do know is in that moment I capitulated. I, I, I failed. And it felt absolutely horrible. And you might not have that exact same scenario today, but you're going to be put in situations where you'd be tempted to look at things, to listen to things, to... Uh, to take too long at lunch, to do any number of things, to, to be frustrated with your wife, with your kids. And now I'm trying to apply it. And, and, and as you go through this day, the Spirit of God will show you how, you how He wants you to apply what you're hearing right now. But loyalty to Christ is what matters in those circumstances. I've been in other circumstances when I didn't capitulate, and it feels absolutely wonderful. I remember being with the, one of my board members when I w- worked for, for Anthem, Blue Cross Blue Shield. He was a doctor, and I was dropping off some checks for him to, to sign. And uh, he, we somehow got in a conversation about creation. And he looked at me, and he said, creation? You don't believe that, do you? And I said, well, you know, actually, actually I do. Um, I believe that God created, you know, Adam and Eve adam and eve you don't believe in adam i mean that fairy tale kind of stuff and so here is a moment a man greater than me a man who is on my board that has my job in his hand and i just looked at him and said yeah as a matter of fact i do um i believe a lot of other stuff i'd be happy to you know to share with you he kind of dismissed it here's a moment where loyalty to Christ comes out. It may not be in those, those bold moments where your head's put on the guillotine, um, but in these little things is how you develop this. And it also comes out in a trustworthiness in stewardship of serving the Lord. So there's what does it look like if you have genuine humility and, and, and faith? Well, it looks like a, a, a striving. Your face is, a, is in the wind. The wind's against you. You're persevering in that. You're being loyal to Christ in all the circumstances. And then here's one that, that doesn't have a lot of wind and doesn't have a lot of these, 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 these loyal moments where your loyalty is called into question. I mean, which, which flag are you flying? This is just trustworthiness in stewardship of serving the Lord. What you do when nobody else is, is, is looking. Trustworthiness in... Stewardship, serving, how you serve others, whether you give, whether you pray, these, these, these general things of, of life. Because see what matters supremely. Again, we're talking about having the right perspective of influence. It's not superficial influence. It's influence that flows from godly character. Godly character flows from humility and faith. That's how you develop the substance of character. The, 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 the raw ingredients are humility and, and faith. You can measure that by wholly striving and persevering in that. The loyalty to Christ in these circumstances trustworthy and stewardship because influence matters. That's why the Lord left you here. Why didn't God just zap us and take us to heaven whenever Jesus died and rose from the dead? Why is there the end times from the beginning and, 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 and His second coming? He's left us here. So that obviously He can get glory, but what does that look like? It looks like us telling other people about Christ, having an influence in the world. What matters supremely is that men know the truth, live the truth, Proclaim the truth and disciple others in the truth. Know the truth, live the truth, proclaim the truth, and disciple others in the truth. And don't take that all together. Break it down. What matters is that men know the truth. How much do you know? How much do you know the truth? I mean, if what this is saying is what matters supremely... Is that men know the truth? Do you know the truth? What does that mean? What does it mean to, to know the truth? I told you when I came to Christ, I didn't know the difference between the Old and the New Testament. I knew all the Bible stories, but I didn't, I mean, probably even got some of those mess, messed up. Maybe Noah got swallowed by the whale, which it wasn't a whale, by the way, but it's a whole other topic. What does it mean to know the truth? So it's, it's, I'm not concerned about where you're at in that process. What I would be concerned about is, are you pursuing it? Is this one of the goals of your life, to know the truth? Um, Think of how much effort and time and money we spend on things that don't matter. Think of how much I use myself. You know I like to hunt. I like to bow hunt think of how much effort I put in my life in getting all my hunting gear ready, all the money I spend on hunting gear, all the spend practicing a bow, all the... the, I I have no problem getting up at 4 o'clock in the morning to go out and sit in a tree. Do I have any problem doing that to come to Grace and Granite? And then I'll sit out there for hours and hours and hours. Maybe flip through my phone. Now that I have a phone, when I first started hunting, there wasn't anything like that. Just out there with yourself. I'm not arguing. There's great times to talk to the Lord and and spend time with the Lord. I'm not saying don't hunt. I'm saying look at how much effort and, and, and resources that we put toward things and then we say, I can't know the truth. I don't know the truth. I don't read the Bible. I don't understand the Bible. I, we have no problem putting that type of effort towards something you know, something else. So do you know the truth? And do you put the effort in to know the truth? If you say, well, I don't know a whole lot, well, well, what are you doing about it? You say, well, I'm a grace and granite." Praise God. It's a good thing. It's a good thing that you're here, brothers. It really is. You say, I'm, I'm, I'm reading in the morning. I'm growing in it. Praise the Lord that is a really good thing. Don't give up. It's it's a it's it's a it's the strike of the hammer. I understand when you put the when you put the nail in the wood, you want to hit it one time and the job's done. But it's over and over and over. Um you say, "Well, well, I don't even know where to start." Well, availing yourself of, of, of the means of grace that God's provided. What do I mean by that? The Lord has, has ordained the church to gather and preach. Sunday schools, grace and granite. The first thing I would be doing is, is taking advantage of the opportunities that are, that are there where somebody's actually feeding me. You come into the restaurant. I don't even have to, I don't even have to prepare the meal my, myself. It's being prepared for me. So you come and eat. Come and grow, and you get around other people. Um, but then beyond that, so where wh- where where do I start? Um, well, I, where I started was I started reading proverbs, which told me about life in general. I mean, I was so messed up; I didn't even know how to think rightly about life in general. The wisdom books help you think about life in general. Start with a proverb on the day. Today's the thirty-first. Go read Proverbs thirty-one. And if you do go read Proverbs 31, you say, well, that's about, that's about a woman. No, it's actually about a man. Proverbs 31 is the words of a mother to her son about what will give you a, a, a blessings in life. And there are four things that she mentions there. I won't tell you all of them. Maybe that will make you go on a treasure hunt. One of them is finding a good woman. And here's what she looks like. Don't buy uh, the pig and the poke superficial woman um, that's, that's, that's not godly. But there are three other things that she tells him up front. General. Read a psalm on a day. Just start with, reading, with with one of them. Now, again, I'm talking start. What's psalm's going to tell you? About? It's going to tell you about God, God in general, uh, life in general. You, you see the expressions of a genuine believer. Talk about life, talk about God, talk about those kinds of things. Um, Read the New Testament. Read the Gospels. Start there. If you've never read the Bible, get in the Bible, is what I'm saying. Where do I get in the Bible, Pastor? Read the Gospels. This is the stories of Christ. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Start start with with any of them. But Mark's the the shortest, straight, hitting to the point. Uh, Read uh, Mark, Matthew, Luke. And read John. And read the story of the church. Read the book of Acts. And as you're reading, have a little journal, a little notebook there with you. And write down questions that you have. Well, that, that, that's weird. I mean, Jesus is talking about the disciples going out casting out demons. Is that something I'm supposed to do? You don't need to know all the answers. Just, just, just have the question. Write it down. And then keep reading. And then read the next day. And read the next day. And read the next day. And, the next, day. and the next thing you're going to know... You're going to have read through the whole New Testament, but the point is, if you don't read, you're not going to make any progress. This is eating the elephant one bite, one bite at a time. So read the Gospels, and then read something about the Book of Acts, and then once you do that, come back and I'll tell you where to where to read more. But but you got to do it. So you have to know the truth. Um, beyond that, you had a you say. Well, I've already done that. Well, where do I go? Well, in the very beginning of your book, we talked about um, uh, Suggested Resources, Essential Truths for the Christian Life by R.C. Sproul. Great little book. There's another one called bite Size Theology. I, I'm, I don't want a big, you know, I'm not ready for a big uh, systematic theology of 500 pages. A little book called bite Size Theology gives you the general categories that, that, that are there. Um, by by Jeffries. Um, The Basics for Believers. Basics for Believers by D.A. Carson. Great. Basics for Believers. Start there. Read that um, along with with, with your scriptures. What matters supremely is that men know the truth. What are some other ways that you could tell me about knowing the truth? What What are... what did you do whenever you started out? Or what are you doing? Some other ways to know the truth. What's your method? No magic to the Proverbs on the day or, or anything else. Do we have another method that you use? Yeah. Okay. Amen. Yeah. Amen? You know, long before, I mean, we, you talk about how blessed we are. We have a copy of God's Word. You probably have multiple copies of God's Word. Um, you, know, you just heard about William Tyndale on, on Sunday night. There was a point where, not, not too distant past, where the average Christian didn't have a copy of God's Word, where you could actually read it. And then you go back to the Old Testament, most of it was Oral. They came and listened to it read. And so don't discount listening to the Bible. So I'm not a fast reader. I don't think that I read a book completely through until I was about 25 years old. I hated reading. I was a TV kid. Uh, It still hurts me today. I'm not a fast reader. Um, So listen to it. I'm not using an excuse not to read. You have to read. Let's just say you you, you need to get more. Listen to the Bible. How much time do you have between your house and work? Get get, uh, a a Bible download and listen to those things. Or listen to to sermons. Um, Listen to the truth exposited. Listen to people that are going to explain the word to you, not give you their opinions. Uh, Take advantage of of those times. There's a lot of things that there's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with listening to, you know, this certain music or, you know, or the news or whatever. I mean, I'm not telling you you can't be aware of life. You should. But think of, the, think of these, these times that you have as opportunities to grow in the Lord, not just mindlessly turning on Sean Hannity or, or whatever it is. I mean, think of how much more you would grow rather than, and look, I'm not slamming Hannity. Think of how much more you would grow, though, if you listened to John MacArthur or the sermon from last Sunday, that 45 minutes, then mindly listen to the people tell you the same thing over and over and over that you already know. Think about the way news used to be. Some of you probably can't do this. I mean, it used to be you got your news once a day, and that was at 6 o'clock. There wasn't the, I mean, the, the constant news cycle. Think about what has to happen if there's a constant news cycle. They, have to, they, they don't have anything new to say. They just say the same thing in a hundred different ways. And it's usually not, not, not helpful. It's not newsworthy. It's primarily opinion. Think about how much more you would grow if you used some of those times uh, profitably. What are some other things besides listening? Methods. Okay. Who was way ahead of me. All right. So yeah. Amen. Amen. That man had the power of influence, of godly character that, that influenced you, you know, for sure. Look, don't be afraid to mimic other people. Like, you, 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 C.J. Mahaney said years ago when he was up on the platform with John MacArthur and Sproul when he was still alive, all these heavy hitters, and he's just coming along, and, you know, he, he was being self-deprecating, talking about, I don't even know why I'm up here. He said, I haven't had an original thought in my life. And I started thinking about that. You know, have we had an original thought in our life? I mean, all, it, the, how did you learn how to do anything? you watch somebody else do it. Don't get this idea that you're, you know, you're going to be the guy who's going to uh, cut the path and, and whatever else. You, you, you're an apprentice. You learn from somebody else. Now, who you learn from matters, right? You want to mimic good things. You don't want to develop a bad golf swing because it's really hard to undo. Um, but who you're around, don't I mean, this is exactly that's that's what the Bible says to do. Follow me as I follow Christ. Paul says, find somebody and get in there, getting their wake, bring me into their, bring me into your world, teach me, show me what to do. You may you, you may uh, learn how to improve it, but at least start there. Mark. read a book a month. I would say to that like if you if I would have heard what he just said when I was first of a believer, I'm like a book a month, I haven't read a book in my life. But what's good about what he just said is you'd be surprised what you're able to do if you actually plan to do it. If you actually say, okay, how would I read a book in a month? Let's say, you know, it's 150 pages or 200 pages and I have 30 days, and out of that, I'm not going to do it on Sunday, because I'm going to focus on the, you know, on the Lord, so, you know, the next thing you know, you have 26 days, and then if I break that down, that's only like 10 pages a day, or uh, I didn't do that math, but you, you get what I'm saying, you, you figure, and now, I can read 20 pages a day, Um you're able to do a lot more than you think that you're able to do and your heart wants to give you excuses for why it's why it's too hard so, it's good yeah yeah that's right exactly right exactly
1: right
0: absolutely absolutely you learn from failing you learn from a bad example it be a painful experience but you learn from it I still remember that moment of capitulation I still remember I don't want that feeling Amen. Amen. He just just gave you a nugget. Um, I don't know what kind of Bible you have, or you know, or even the background. Um, get a good translation that you can read. Uh, I preach from a, a, a NASB ninety five, New American Standard. 1995, an the ESV, some people preach from an ESV. If you have something other than that, that's fine. The point is, don't get so stuck in, in what you have that, that, you, that, that, that it's, it makes it harder for you to read and harder for you to grow and get a good study Bible. I'm not saying this because I went there, but the John MacArthur Study Bible is one of the best study Bibles out there, it really is. The ESV Study Bible is a great study Bible. So get one of those and then, and then read it. Because when you have the question, there's going to be little notes down there. You're not the first person to have that question about that verse. <laughs> and somebody else already had the question and asked it and answered it. Um, and that'll help you. That'll help you as, as well. Don't be uh, uh, that's not the right way of saying it. You will be surprised at how listening, becoming an expository listener, sitting under exposition, sitting under sermons that read the truth to you and then explain the truth to you and then show you how to apply the truth in one setting, you'll be surprised at how much that will train your mind to think rightly about the Bible. Think of all of the preaching that you sit under where the guy opens the Bible, reads a verse, one verse... And then preaches about something completely different, and you're going, well, this said prayer, and he's talking about Donald Trump or whatever, or you know, or homosexuality, or you know, or uh, you know, the, the evils of the world, or don't get drunk, or don't don't be a thief, or whatever, and you're like, well, well I was pretty interested in that, like I, I wanted to know actually what that meant. So you'd be surprised at how much you'll, you'll, you, you actually are learning and you don't even realize it. One of the blessings of being committed to exposition is reading the scriptures that way over and over and over. Every time I preach to you, I don't just tell you uh, what the text says. I teach you how to study your Bible. John MacArthur said that years ago. When I'm preaching, I'm not just preaching the meaning of the text. I'm putting my hermeneutics on display. If you can't go back after you listen to me or somebody else preach and see, in general, how that man got that from that verse, then then I, I probably wouldn't listen too long. Maybe he lays an egg. Maybe he lays more than one egg. But if you got a dozen eggs, it's time to get a new chicken. You know what I'm saying? Find somebody else to listen to. Find somebody else that's going to tell you what the Bible says and actually teach you, even in their preaching, how to study it. Because this is the authority. I'm not the authority. My ideas about this book is not the authority. God's the authority. And if we believe this is his word in his book, then we want to understand what, what, what it says. Um, so. Amen. What else? Mhm. Yeah. Know the truth.
1: Uh, it's a great, those are great topics to, to
0: pursue in quiet times. And just kind of work in those angles and really kind of figure that out. Amen. So we, we we don't go after the truth. And then, whenever we do, we, we do it kind of generally. This is this generalization of Christianity. And just you kind of settle in that and then we're too proud to let people actually know where we really are and then you you, you do that in the beginning and then now well i've been in the church five years now i actually have to actually i feel the pressure i should know more than i actually know so i really don't want them to know you know where where i'm at and then actually like clay's talking about pressing the truth down into into life like real aspects of life um Mark, I think, is your uh, phrase, whether you it was yours, or you got it from somebody else, Bible world and everyday land. So we kind of treat it like this Bible world, and then we live completely differently in everyday land. Those worlds are together. They're not apart. How do I take the Bible and actually work it out in my life? That's what Christianity looks like. That's what it means to, to be be to be a man and then that influence actually spills out, you know, into into others. You'll have an orbit. you have gravity about you. You won't be light as a feather. You actually have people want to be around you, not because of your personality or what you have or what you look like, because they want to get they, they, they sense Christ in you. And they, they want to be more like Christ. That's the kind of influence that, that you want. Um I remember hearing a man talk about it when he retired at the end of his life. He had all these friends before. And when he retired, he said, how are you doing in retirement? He's like, you know, uh, I'm doing better now. But in the beginning, one of the things that shocked me was how m- m- all of my friendships, most of my friendships, most of my relationships had to do with my position. It, it really wasn't because people wanted to be around me. They were around me because of who I was, what I had, whatever, whatever else. You develop a life like this, a life that has, uh, has gravity, where Christ is in you, you'll influence other people, and, and other people will, 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 will draw near to you and try to learn from you because of... Because of who you know um, not because of who who you are um, and the way you do that is you know the truth and to know the truth starts with just reading the Bible getting in the Bible more of the Bible taking opportunities that you have even today uh, to remove this and put you know put put scripture in and then actually trying to figure out how does the scriptures apply in these basic areas of of life my heart my own personal life my wife my kids my work my church and getting a strong concordance and chasing after some of those verses and seeing how they work out in 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 that is is where it's at any final things before we go yeah Russ. Amen. Amen. Eternal perspective and perspective of others. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have a comment?
1: Uh, Yes. Uh, So, uh, especially when I was a new believer, uh, looking through the Bible was kind of difficult, especially since I didn't know where to go. Right.
0: lots of good supplemental resources that are out there for sure. All right. Let's pray. Lord, we've heard a lot of truth exhortations. And now we get an opportunity to to put them into practice. And I I know even even before I say amen, that this will be my intention and I will want to do it, but I also know that I'll fail. And um, the encouragement in that, Lord, is that uh, you don't give up on me. Um, that failure is, is part of the process of growing, and so I pray that you wouldn't allow that to discourage me or, or any of these men help us persevere today in holy striving, That we might know the truth, thank you, that they've already started their day, the best place that they could be here, and you're pleased with that, and there's no better feeling than to know that God is, is pleased with my obedience. We ask all this and give you praise in Jesus' name.